happen. He's wrapping up some some of the reality of what he's already taught. And he he says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. And he's reminding us again of these truths, but he's emphasizing that it's more than, than just a head knowledge. It's more than just knowing it. As um, most of you know, Jay Pierce Baker teaches driver's education. And I think they have to take 30 hours of classroom training and six hours of actual driving, something like that. And um, the first class and several classes is not, hey, come pile in the car and let's go driving. It's classroom instruction and teaching and, and knowing about all the details, the rules, how a car operates, the details concerning all those things. And then, um, then they bring them to the car and they get in. So let's just imagine that Jay takes a, a student, and um, I was careful there to say student. I was going to say a girl, and I thought, no, I better not do that. And then a guy, no, I better not do that. He takes a student, puts him in the car. Jay's in the driver's seat. He's got the brake there on his side that he guarantees works, and he's in reach of the steering wheel, so he, if emergency. And this person has taken the classroom work and is ready to go. And Jay says, okay, let's go. And he looks at, he looks at Jay and says, why do I need to do this? I, can, I know all this stuff. I've taken the classroom. I know all this stuff. I know you put it in R for racing. No, you put it in reverse to back up. You put it in, I know how, in fact, I've gone beyond and I've studied internal combustion engines. I know all the details. Why do I need to do this? He knows all about it, but he never has experienced driving a pile of metal and plastic down the road, getting it going, stopping it, turning it appropriately, and um, understanding all the classroom is not sufficient for real life. We see that throughout much in our world today, that we can have a knowledge but until it's experienced, until it is made personal in our lives, until we know it firsthand, it's really meaningless to us. In fact, it's deceptive. Now, through the book of John, he has said, we know several things. And he said in verse 18, we know that whoever is born of God does not habitually sin. And we've gone over that, and we're not going to belabor that today. But a person that is born of God may sin, and the Spirit of God convicts him of his sin, and he understands that. And it may be a a period of uh, a few moments. It may be a period of a few days. It may be even a few years. 
David sinned, and a year later he was convicted of, I mean, he was convicted of his sin, but he finally repented of his sin. But a person that is a follower of Christ, that has been born of God, does not just live in sin and continue in sin. And John is saying, we know that a person that, that has an appetite for sin that is unquenched and unabated, he says, we know, as we've seen through this epistle, he is not born of God. But whoever is born of God does not habitually sin. Then in verse 19 he says, We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway or the control of the wicked one. We know that we are of God and no longer under Satan's control. Last week, Andrew um, challenged you regarding being under God's control from this truth here. We are of God. The whole world lies under Satan's control. But once we receive Christ as our personal Savior, now we are not bound by Satan's control. We have an opportunity for a new control. We are under a new control. We're not... We're not only under Satan's power. Now that dwells within us is our old nature and the Spirit of God. And we live in a, under a new boss, under a new master. We have a new control. And this is what John is saying. He says, we who are born of God are no longer under Satan's control. Before we came to know Christ... The power of evil just led us wherever it wanted us to be. Now, we, the power of sin is broken. And the penalty of sin has been paid through Jesus Christ, as we've just sung here today. And the reality is that now we have an opportunity to not walk in sin. And last week you were reminded of how to be an overcomer. So John is reminding us, whoever is born of God does not habitually sin. We are of God and we are no longer under Satan's control. And thirdly, we know, verse 19, that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Thirdly, we know Jesus Christ is God, and we have eternal life and a relationship with God through Him. That's what he's saying in verse 20. We know that the Son of God has come. Previously, in, in this epistle, he said, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, then you, aren't, you don't belong to God. And in this, he's reminding us again, we know that Jesus Christ is God, and that through faith and trust in Him, we have everlasting life, and we are brought to a relationship with God. It's not just that we're saved from hell to then go do whatever we want, 
we are delivered from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and someday we will be delivered from the presence of sin, but until then, we are brought to a relationship with God. So he says, we know Jesus Christ is God, and we have eternal life only through Jesus Christ, and a relationship with God, we're brought to a relationship with God through Him. Now, in all of this, John is using the word which refers to a knowledge gained by not just experience, but even more so than that, by an inner working process, which is the result of the working of the Spirit of God in our life. One of the colleagues of England's great Christian Prime Minister, William Gladstone, one of his colleagues said of him, I don't mind that Gladstone always seems to have an ace up his sleeve. What makes me angry is his maddening assurance that it was the Almighty who put it there. Now, what a testimony to have that one of his colleagues said, I don't mind that Gladstone always has the answer that he's able to pull out. But it kind of shows this guy's heart. What makes me angry is the maddening assurance that Gladstone says it is God Almighty who put that here. Gladstone lived in a manner that reflected, I know that I have everlasting life. I know that I have a relationship with God, and God is leading me. The knowledge that John is talking about is what is underlining, and if you please, um, the secret of the Christian poise and unshakable patience which believers ought to be known for. Christians, followers of Christ, should know things that other people don't know. I don't mean just facts and figures. And because they know them, they should be equipped to be able to respond in situations different than others. We should be able to react to what happens differently than others. Why? Because we know that God is at work. Now, that all sounds good. But in reality, many times we as Christians don't act differently. We don't live in victory over worry. We don't live in victory over bitterness and anger. We don't live in victory over overeating or lust, pornography, in bondage to various addictions. We still don't live in victory over self-centeredness many times. Our own pride often rules our life. And we say... What is the problem? Many kids grow up in a home that they see 
adults profess to be followers of Christ, but they don't see a lot of victory. And so there's a disconnect here, and they say, is this stuff really true? Then why is it not being manifested? Why aren't we moving a little closer to this? And legitimately, it presents a major problem. We read a verse like verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps him or himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. And we say, wait a minute, the wicked one does not touch him. In the sense that it's used here, it does not bring harm, it does not injure those who are born of God. And we look around and we see followers of Christ that are touched by the devil all the time. He is stealing our joy. He is destroying our homes. He is destroying lives. He is killing. And we look around and we see that in Christian circles and we say, wow, what's going on here? The wicked one is touching. And you can easily write it off and say, well, they weren't Christians anyway. They weren't a true follower of Christ. And in many cases, that may be so. But you read through the Bible and there were definite followers of Christ that the evil one did touch them, did bring damage to them, did um, destroy their testimony. And so we say... What's going on here? Notice verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. It's interesting. Um, in, in looking at this verse, the phrase, but he who has been born of God keeps him. There's two basic ways that the scholars have said you can look at this. He who has been begotten of God, reference to Jesus Christ, the only begotten, he who has been begotten of God keeps the, the child of God, keeps him. Some versions will read, he who has been Born of God keeps him. And some will say this means that the begotten one of God is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ keeps the follower of Christ. And the evil one does not touch him. There are others that say he that is born of God in, in this passage, he that is born of God is a reference to the follower of Christ. And he keeps himself so that the evil one does not touch him. I think the depths of the riches of the wisdom of God is far deeper than we can ever imagine. And in my limited Mind, I say, I believe both of those are applicable, appropriate, and in line. From biblical 
passages. Definitely, our salvation is kept by Jesus Christ. We are kept by the power of God unto salvation. We are in the hollow of God's hand, and no man is able to pry us out. At the same time, we are kept by the power of God. We also have seen that there have been believers who have been greatly affected and even brought to death because the evil one has injured, harmed, and damaged them. So, my responsibility... As a follower of Christ, is not just sit back and say, Oh, I'm kept by the power of God. It's up to God to keep me from evil. No. I am a follower of Christ, and I must, in this sense, I am now in the control, under the control of God, and in this sense, I keep myself, not my eternal salvation, But my testimony, if I go back and walk in the world, I am open for the attacks of Satan. As I walk in God's kingdom, does that mean Satan won't attack me? He will attack me, but God has given me everything I need to do battle with whatever attack he brings. God has provided me everything for victory. In Jesus Christ, through His Word, God has provided His Son, God has provided His Spirit, God has provided His Word, and God has provided His church. And as I walk in the gifts that God has given us in His provisions, I may be assailed by the evil one, but the evil one is not able to injure and harm. But, I must take responsibility to use what He has given me. Turn to the book of Jude, just a page or two back. Jude, there's only one chapter. Jude, and notice if you'd look in verse 20. He's giving exhortation to the last days, and he said, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Notice notice what he says here. It's our responsibility to be building up ourselves on the most holy faith. It is our job to be praying in the Holy Spirit. Notice this, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. It isn't that I am keeping my salvation. I need to keep my focus on the love of God. I start loving the world and the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I am not keeping myself in the love of God. This is a responsibility He gives to us. It is my responsibility to keep my focus on Christ. It is my responsibility to keep myself in the love of God by building up myself in the most holy faith. 
turn to 1 John chapter 3. We looked at this several weeks ago or months ago. Notice verse 3. And everyone who has this hope, the hope that Christ, we are called children of God, and Christ is coming again, and it does not appear what we will be until we see Him as He is. When we have that hope, everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as He is pure. How can I purify myself? I am only made pure by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I purify myself by choosing God not to walk in my own lust. By choosing God's way, not man's way. By choosing God's way, not my way. We'll, we'll look at it probably next week, but the last verse of 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. You notice what he's saying is, we, everyone that is born of God does not sin. And it says, and he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one not, does not touch him. And he ends the, the, the whole epistle by saying, keep yourselves from idols. Don't let your heart be going after that. You control what your heart goes after. He said, you have been given a new heart, and now you have an option. I can go after God or go after the old heart. And he says, keep yourself from idols. Don't go after that. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Don't let your heart go after that. Keep yourself. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 22, he says, keep yourself pure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, he says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And he calls us in all that issue, he calls us ultimately, and I will be a father unto you. Don't forsake this relationship. This is the only relationship that lasts. Any other relationship that you have in life will be gone. Don't forsake this relationship. Come out from among. Don't go after the idols. Don't go after the things of this world. It's going to be gone. Keep yourself in the love of God. See, it isn't wise. We're brought into God's kingdom. The power of Satan sway has been broken. We don't have to walk in the power of sin anymore. But here's what we do. We, we go back to our own mindset and sin looks kind of enticing and we don't believe what God says about it. And we see how close we can walk to it. We see how much we can look like it and walk like it. And it's not wise to see how close to sin you can get. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, Flee! fornication. Now, he's not saying that we do this in our own strength, but he will, a follower of Christ will put forth his, his heart and soul to keep himself from sin, and by God's assistance and power through the ministry and direction of the Holy Spirit, 
He will accomplish it so that when John says the evil one does not touch him, does not mean that he won't be assaulted by Satan's attacks, but the enemy can tempt us, the enemy can sift us like wheat with God's permission, but he cannot lay hold upon us to make us captives of sin for the rest of our lives. Why? Because we are born of God, and it's the Spirit of God that is drawing us. And he says, keep your focus on God. We may fall into the evil clutches and end up as Pilgrim and John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress did in Doubting Castle. There may come times where maybe there's doubts, but as Pilgrim did in, in Doubting Castle, he had the key to escape to get back to the path of the celestial city. And it was up to him to use the key. It is up to me when I've, when I realize, whoa, I, I have let my heart go after this to come back to God. If I confess my sin, He is faithful and just to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Through the power of the Spirit, we are able to walk in victory. The prince of this world has nothing to fasten his deadly temptations because we are in Christ. But... If we let our mind start going to the things of the old nature, then there's things the temptations of Satan are able to cling to. Why? Because we start believing a lie. Being born of God, we have become a partaker of God's character. The truth of the Spirit, which is so powerful that the devil cannot touch him. We now belong to a new master. He's given us a new life. Here we are. We're no longer under the power of the evil one. He's given us a new life. We are gods. So we should have lives that are God-centered and God-focused. The question is, do you really know this? Do you know that your life is now under the control of God, and you are God-focused. And do you know, wait a minute, no, that may look appealing, that may look, but no, that's a lie of Satan. I am going to keep myself in the love of God. There is a funda fundamental difference between your priorities and goals and those of your non-Christian neighbors. Is there a fundamental difference? Are you living for God in His glory and kingdom? Or do we just attend church a little more often than the rest of the population? You know, that's an important question. Righteousness is not just attending church. And then living by the same, we have the same priorities, we value the same thing, we praise the same thing. Righteousness is having a God-focused life. And he said, when you are born of God, you understand, I am now in God's kingdom. I am a pilgrim. This world is not my home, and I don't, I don't have any desire for anything but God's kingdom. You understand... 
There are are way too many of us that have been brought into God's kingdom by faith in Jesus Christ who have not on purpose, not that we said, I'm going to do this, but over time have slid back until we understand that we have not been keeping ourselves in the love of God. There are individuals here today that need to go home and say, I I need to clean up my phone. I need to clean up my Internet, my computer. I need to clean up stuff in my life because I've been walking right here. You may say, nothing's happened so far. Just wait. He that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. There are individuals here that in your thought life you have stuff going on there that it is, it is no different than the world. And it doesn't matter if you're sitting in Grace Baptist Church this morning. He that is born of God and Satan is going to touch us and he is going to bring damage to us and he is going to damage a life and families and the ripples go far. It isn't that Christianity doesn't work. Christ works. The problem is we have not kept ourselves in the love of God. We have allowed our heart to go after all these other things. And we will be touched by the evil one. He loves to destroy. He loves to to destroy Christians' testimony. If you are a true follower of Christ and you have allowed yourself in to walk in sin, some it's pride. Some we need to go home and just humble ourselves before God and before others. Some we need to go seek forgiveness and say, I am sorry, I spoke evil to you. Some it's humbling ourselves and going making things right. Whatever it is, it's not that Christianity, it's not Christ doesn't work. We know that whosoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself. It's it's vigilance. Watch for your soul. Watch and pray throughout the Bible. We don't have time to go in over and over again. He's putting the responsibility. It's my responsibility. God has given me everything I need to walk in victory. It is my responsibility to pick it up and walk in it. But if I let my heart go after these things, and it's just a little increment, just a little bit at a time, is there a fundamental difference between your life and your non-Christian neighbors besides going to church? Is there a fundamental difference in how you respond would someone say about you, you know what? He, he always seemed to respond right in situations. And he said it was because of God. Or, or do they look at us and say, you know what? I know you're a Christian. I know you go to church, but you get just as angry as I do and you get just as upset and you just as selfish and on and on. He that is born of God 
does not sin because he keeps himself. There's so much that goes into that keeps himself. You may wake up and say, you know what? Honestly, today I don't really feel like spending time with God, but I know I can't live without him. You say, that that kind of sounds like legalism. There's some days you may not feel like eating. What do we have for supper? Liver and onions. Oh. Hmm. Oh, yeah, and a kale salad. Hmm. But you eat because you know that is nourishing. You need to eat. That's keeping yourselves in the love of God. You know what? Right now, I don't feel like praying, but I know I need to pray. And God, I'm coming to you right now, and you know my heart. I am bothered and upset, and I don't really even feel like talking to you. I feel like taking matters into my own hand, but God, I need you. That's keeping yourselves in the love of God. We need to do a lot more talking to ourselves than listening to ourselves. We listen to our feelings. We listen, and we need to start, as you've heard on Wednesday night, we need to start monitoring our thoughts. What are you thinking? Is this a biblical thought? It is God who keeps us, and at the same time, He has given us everything that we can walk in truth And someday we will give an account to God for how we have used what He has given us. So He said, keep yourself in the love of God. What do you need to do today to keep yourself in the love of God? Heavenly Father, I pray that You would make personal these truths in our lives. And Lord, I pray that Every follower of you here today would never become a casualty to a testimony destroyed by believing the devil's lie. Lord, I would pray today if there are individuals here who have know that they have never called upon you for the forgiveness of sin and they know they don't have eternal life or a relationship with you, I pray today that they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sin. I pray for every believer here today that we would be sensitive to your Spirit's leading in whatever you ask us to do, that we would diligently obey your leading. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As the instrument begins to play...